Folks, with fall on the horizon here in Chico, there is nowhere better to spend an afternoon than the Handlebar. They have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you get a dollar off all of their draft beers. They have 28 on tap. They've got a gorgeous patio, a terrific food menu. Again, that's the Handlebar. If you've never been, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street. Again, right here in Chico on the south end of town. Go check out that happy hour. I promise you will not regret it. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here reporting for duty. This week on the show, our thoughts on The Woman King. It's the latest action film from director Gina Prince Bythewood, who we've covered before on this show. Uh, back with her film, The Old Guard, starring Charlize Theron. That was a couple years ago. And uh, this is a film that stars Viola Davis as a leader of a warrior tribe of women in the early 1800s. And we will give our thoughts on that without spoilers in just a minute here. But first, Johnny Summers, what are we drinking this week? Yeah, we're drinking two beers from Grimm artisanal ales yeah uh, one is called oracle deck it's a double ipa and quite frankly i don't remember what the other one's called but it is an imperial single west coast ipa and i I'll love tell you it more I... about that later yeah dude this i'm just looking at the can of the first beer it looks so fun i can't wait to talk about it but let's get some housekeeping here if you're listening on kzfr 90.1 fm Number one, we hope you're having a wonderful Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show, which includes uh, the first beer review, the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of The Woman King. But if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for The Woman King, a second beer review, which by the time we get there, we will remember the name of, and Hot and Bothered, uh, Johnny will tell you what to do. Yeah, you can find the show in its entirety on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, that sort of thing. We release new episodes every single Friday, every morning on that day of the week at 7 a.m. and have been doing so since 2016. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Less than that, we don't accept. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, preferred, please let us know that you did. We'll shout you out. To hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to the old website, freshhopcinema.com. Let's talk Patreon really briefly. Um, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way to support our show on an episodic basis. You can donate an amount of money of your choice, uh, anywhere from one to, I don't think there's a limit, but we kind of schedule it on a, or schedule it, we, we structure it on a one through $10 system. So at each of those levels, you get different perks, but at every single level is the perk of feeling like you're supporting two guys who have a passion for a thing and want to keep doing that thing. So if you're interested, go to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. It's super easy to sign up, and uh, it really does go a long way. Um, Johnny, am I missing anything on Patreon? You want to mention any shout-outs or upcoming stuff we need to talk about? No, we're working on doing an event sometime in October, uh, whether it's a bottle share, barbecue, beer hang, something like that, uh, or a movie night. We haven't done one in a while, but yeah. uh, we, we try and give back as much as we take, or at yeah. least make Ugh. you feel like we do. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be doing some events soon. Uh, things like that. Looking forward to getting more into that as fall rolls around. But that's all I got on Patreon. I'm I'm ready to drink some beer. Okay, then that's all of our housekeeping out of the way. Johnny Summers, you said again, Grim. I hear your beer opening. Let's talk first about. You mentioned this first beer is called Oracle Deck, um, and I already pointed out that the can is very fun looking. Can you can you kind of give me a brief overview of what this can looks like? Yeah, so it's 
what would I call that? It's a nice, vibrant, flowery yellow. Uh, it. It's all yellow, white, a little bit of gold, and this dark, like not even navy. That's like a royal blue. It's royal blue for sure. Yeah, which is a great color. Uh, yeah. Yellow and royal blue go together like beer and cheese. Movies. I don't know. Yeah, I tell yeah, you, that's not, better. No, sure. I say cheese. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, so you've got kind of uh, what one, two, three, four, five, six cards of a tarot deck mm-hmm. splayed out in a circle in an oval with a really cool sun. Uh, I love the blue back bl- blue background uh, of the yellow with like a yellow background even behind that. Really eye-catching can. There's some nice use of chrome on here and gold that really make it pop when you kind of twist the can in the sunlight. Uh, really eye-catching. It was what grabbed my eye at first. I mean, I always say it. Your eyes have to drink mm-hmm. first, and this can, it draws you in. And then I saw what it was stylistically, and I, mm-hmm. I saw that on the interwebs that we haven't done Grimm in quite some time, so perfect candidate. Have we done Grimm before? We have. It's been a while. I'll pull it up, but yes. Okay. Uh, we have. Yeah, yeah, man. They're out of. I think you said this, or I'm not. I'm not sure if you did. So in case you didn't, they're out of Brooklyn. Um, this is a pint can, and yeah, it's it's super ad grabby. We're drinking this about five weeks from its canning date, so expecting super fresh, um, very hop bitter forward kind of beer. I wanted to shout out really briefly. The hops in this are Nelson Salvine and Citra, and like you said, dude, it's eight percent. Um, so I'm stoked to get into it. I've poured it into my um, my hotel room glassware because I'm in uh, I'm in another city this week. Uh, yeah, um, you're in Reno. So I'm sitting on my makeshift kind of studio, uh, praying that the maintenance people that are working upstairs don't start knocking too hard while we're recording. I love uh, it. But I the glass I, is full. There you go. We'll get into it. I want to hear what you think about it. Uh, before we get into it, I'll tell you a little bit more. Um, it is, I don't think I even mentioned, I just mentioned what it's called. It's called Oracle Deck. It's an Imperial double IPA. I said at the very, very top of the show. Yeah. 8%, and you said the hops. There's some tasting notes here from uh, their website or untapped. Do you want to hear them? Okay. Yeah, please. Uh, Oracle Deck is bursting with fruity aromas. Nelson Sauvin and Citra create a bouquet of white grape, gooseberry, and the specific fresh spritz of citrus oil that's visible in the air when peeling an orange. Love it. Flaked. That's such an like a specific it's so, descriptor. It's so evocative. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I'm sitting at a craft cocktail bar, and they're making me an old-fashioned, and they just go, Oh, it's the spinning. Yep. It's the old fashioned that gets the on top, right? Yeah. Okay. I thought so. I don't drink enough of them to remember. Sometimes in in the right bar, they'll put a little lighter next to it and kind of give a little bit of a, a little explosion of fire Ooh, to really like kind of yeah, almost caramelize those citrus notes. I think it's really, really delicious. I had an old fashioned last night. I might have another tonight at work. That's I might not have this show one though. somewhere too. <laughs> I'm Let's having do- one now. Oh my God. <laughs> ah, I want to, you know what? I'm surprised we're not drinking old fashions right now. There's a um, bonus. There's some, yeah, there's some bonus content for you. Hell yeah. Flaked oats contribute <laughs> a soft, smooth mouthfeel to this beer. Uh, big, juicy flavors of mango, nectar, tangerine, and melted rainbow sherbet are accompanied by a gentle, dry finish. That is a lofty statement to say there is melted ice cream flavors in your double IPA. Uh, one, yeah. I don't know if I want that. Two, I doubt that it's true. Sure. So yeah. let's let's see. Okay, yeah, I, I, dude, I'm always, I always get really excited about Nelson Salvin hops. They're traditionally a hop that gets impar- or that imparts a lot of white wine characteristics. Um, they also boast the gooseberry thing, but I have no frame of reference for what a gooseberry tastes like. I can't say that I've ever even eaten one i've never gone to the grocery store and you know got a fresh little carton of, of gooseberry have you ever had one by itself no, i don't if i did i was not aware that i was consuming okay. a gooseberry 
Uh, all that said, I really do enjoy the Nelson Salvine hop. We've done them a bunch in the past. There was a, a brewery that did a hop feature, like a, a single hop feature series. And um, I wish, I, I think the first one they did was Vic Secret. They did a lot of New Zealand hops. Um, and I can't remember that brewery now, but that had to be in like 2018 or something on the show. But it was the first time I remember hearing about Nelson Salvine. I was like, oh, this is a really fun new hop with a lot of great flavors that I super enjoy. So. Hmm. Um, everything you've said about the ice cream stuff, I agree. I don't think this is going to be like that. If it is, I don't want it. Yeah, after my first drink, it isn't. But there is a ton of flavor here that I really do enjoy. Have you had a chance to try it yet? I have. It's really enjoyable. I was was surprised because it looks super hazy, and I was concerned that it was going to be too sweet. Very enjoyable. It's got that pillowy mouthfeel. Dude, Mm. I love flaked oats in beer. They just make the drinking so smooth and soft. Yeah, fluffy. Yeah, it it makes it like almost like a nitro beer in that if there is carbonation, yeah. it's not really present. Like I've never had a beer with flaked oats that I was like, oh, this is super like effervescent and like crispy. No, it's always soft and they pair well with really heavy hop presence yep. because you get that that sharp, pointy bitterness from the hops that can be kind of abrasive, but then it's mellowed out by that like wildly smooth mouthfeel that I, I find the combination of the two to be really enjoyable. Yeah, man, me too. I almost think that a flaked oat edition is like the 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 lactose intolerant person's lactose, right? Because it does work to add some of that creamy mouthfeel we're talking about without the the side effects of, in your case, lactose. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, it doesn't always work in every kind of IPA. Like you don't want to add that all the time, particularly with something that might be a little bit more malt heavy or or a little bit more sweet forward. But this, I think, really is doing a good job to cut down on what could be aggressive bitterness, which. You know, wouldn't necessarily make it a bad beer, but personally, I do prefer something that is more balanced and soft like this. I think I think this is a great beer so far. Yeah, completely approachable. It's got enough of that punchy hoppiness to make me be like completely on board, um, and it's got enough of that softness and just a dash of that East Coast style sweetness of that like. I don't know if this is unfiltered, but it kind of looks like it. Yeah. Um, but you get just enough of that sweetness to really kind of seal this all together. This is a really well-made beer. I'm actually very impressed. I was yeah. It's kind of skeptical at first, but it grew on me pretty quickly, and it's it's a really enjoyable drinking experience overall. Yeah, like that's it. what I mean. That's what I was going to ask you. Was like if that sweetness, because which for me is is very much there, is too overwhelming, or if you think it's a good balance between that and the bitterness. No, I think it it really kind of levels everything out. <clears throat> I would be concerned about that getting more prevalent if this beer warmed up at all. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much fridge temp right now, and I think that is about as warm as I'd want to drink this beer. So I would say good beer to split, good beer to drink by yourself uh, quickly. Sure. Um, Because, yeah, I think that is going to get a little bit – it could get cloying. When beers have that kind of sweetness, it's subtle now, won't be subtle in 10 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say what's the time frame for – like what's what's the – in a pint, what do you think the normal person's average time for a pint is? I don't know. Slow? I don't know either. Yeah, you know, probably like 20 minutes. That's insane. <laughs> Let's not show our hands here too easily. <laughs> I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. Out, That's bonkers. Well, yeah, but like let's say you're going out with friends. I'm again like like the casual beer drinker. I bet you a pint probably takes – this would be a good thing for people to let us know about, by the way, because I, I have no idea. Yeah, how long um, does it take just, for you, the listener, KZFR or podcast sure. app, or, yeah. to, to drink a pint of beer? Because the reason I bring it up is because I think, generally speaking, you're not going to run the risk of this getting too sweet due to warmth. 
unless you're really nursing it. And I also don't want to give off the impression that we let IPAs, like occasionally you and I will let a stout warm up because those flavors do change usually for the better as it warms. Mm -hmm. But I can't really picture a scenario where a pint of beer takes long enough if it's coming out cold to warm up to get unenjoyable. So I, I, I might push back on what you said there just a little bit. Oh, really? Dude, all right. Well, save the rest of what you have in your glass and drink it in 20 minutes and then tell me. All right, I will. Because there's um, no way this beer will be good in 20 minutes. All right. Yeah, I guess we can revisit it um, at some random point during our movie conversation, uh, <laughs> if we go. remember. Um, yeah. But let's, again, we're, we're judging what we have in our glass, and I think we both really do enjoy it so far. Is there anything you're, you're not loving about it? Um, I think the only thing that would be somewhat negative is it's, it's really brushing up against my limit of how sweet a beer can be and me still enjoy it with hops mm -hmm. involved. Mm -hmm. It doesn't surpass that, that barrier, but it is, it's knocking on the door. It's, it's right outside. So that's probably my biggest negative. It, it is sweeter than a, than I usually prefer in beers, but that is, that's, you know, that's just me and my palate. Yeah, it's, you know, it's actually kind of up there for me too. I don't know that I'd want it to be much sweeter than this, but what I've got, I really do enjoy. Um, there's, uh, you know, I actually might take one more drink before I really try to hone in on what I'm not enjoying just with a nitpick. Um, so yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I think I have something that, that isn't totally ringing my bell. Do it. I want to hear it. Yeah, I love it. It does definitely have like a candied kind of orange peel vibe, like if I had to put my finger on the sweetness, it would be candied oranges. It's not far off. I totally agree. Um, there's nothing I don't, there's nothing jumping out to me as offensive, but there's also nothing jumping out as incredible and or nuanced or something that I haven't tasted before. I think that the flaked oats is a great addition in softening the beer, but that's been done a time or two. So I think it's a really enjoyable beer. Maybe not world-class. or I won't even say that. Maybe it's not that it's not world-class. It's just not super original or unique if you ask me yeah it's not it's not shaking you to your bones and, and making no. you uh evaluate whether you should ever drink a beer again that's fine no i would say uh, it's it's a fairly solid to above average but still somewhat pedestrian offering yeah but like really good where, where did you get this by the way both beers this week come from sns right here in chico or right well right there in chico i guess right right over there um are there plenty left if people want to <clears> get their hands on them yeah there was a full shelf of both Okay, yeah, I want to point out again that these are about five weeks fresh, so uh, it's a good time to get them if you are interested in trying it. I think this is probably a good representation of a beer that's come from the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely, and we're lucky to get beers like this this fresh. Totally. Uh, let's give it an out of 10. What do you say? Yep, I'm down, man. Okay, after you, my friend. It's a 7.3 all day. It's a super solid beer. It's above average, well-made. Uh, it doesn't get above a 7.5. That gets into great territory. This is just very good. Yeah, it is. It's very good. I agree. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a seven. I think it's basically the same rating as you're giving it. It's it's a really well made beer, super tasty. I'd be happy to drink it again. Might not seek it out, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's very good. So if you're looking for uh, uh, a hop forward, not super super bitter West Coast IPA, I think yeah, I think you can't totally go wrong with uh, with Oracle Deck from Grimm. I'm very happy with this. Do you have anything else on this beer, or shall we move on? Let's move on. All right, well, then once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try Oracle Deck or any other beers from Grimm, let us know. The easiest way to do that, take a photo of yourself drinking that beer and tag us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. 
So do you love grim artisanal ales? Do you think we got this beer wrong? Do you think it's a 10? Do you think we got it right? Am I right on the money? Is Max right on the money? You have yeah. to let us know. Yes. Uh, you should email us at fhccast at gmail.com if you want to weigh on this beer or if you have a beer or brewery that you would like to hear us review. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and shoot us that email or message us on Instagram. Let us know. And hey, like the show? Uh, just leave a five-star rating. It's not that hard. Go on Apple Podcasts, do a little click, click, boom, done. Takes two seconds, and it helps other people find us. And now, onto a trailer for this week's movie, the Woman King. But don't worry, there's no spoilers in this next segment, so stick around. An evil is coming that threatens our kingdom, our freedom. But we have a weapon. They are not prepared for. The Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Maneska, you are asking me to take them to war. War. Some things are worth fighting for. Don't know. You are called to join the King's Guard. No kingdom in all of Africa shares this privilege. Train hard, fight harder. We fear no one. And we fear no pain. I offer you a choice. Fight or we die. To be a warrior, you must kill your tears. We are the spear of victory! We are the blade of freedom! We are the home! And if you're just joining us, welcome. You're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening today on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you want to hear the whole thing, which I suggest you do, sure. you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It will be available to stream tomorrow morning, bright and early at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, go have a listen now, what you just heard was a trailer for The Woman King. Right, which is a obviously 2022 American epic historical drama film about the Agoji, the all-female warrior unit that protected the West African kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th centuries. The film is set in the 1820s, and it stars Viola Davis as a general who trains the next generation of warriors to fight their enemies. Like I said earlier, this was directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. She directed The Old Guard, which is a film we covered a couple years ago starring Charlize Theron. Uh, the Woman King, like we said, stars um, Viola Davis, Thusa Mbedu, uh, Lashana Lynch, and a whole bunch of others, including uh, an appearance by John Boyega as the king of this nation, which did that take you out at all? 
no, I okay. don't think yeah. so at all. I thought he did a good job. Um, so let's get into it, man. This was a movie that we were kind of toying with covering. I wasn't totally sure when it was going to come out, um, but I was excited to see it. I thought it had a lot of potential. What were your thoughts going into this? Um, fairly neutral, but hopeful because it is, is new ideas. It's kind of new IP that, you know, it's not a sequel or a mm-hmm. reboot of something. So that, that alone just by default gets me more interested than not. Yeah. Also, it kind of felt like this movie was, um, I don't want to say piggybacking. I don't think that's the right word, but standing on the shoulders of the Titan that is Black Panther. Uh, I felt like a lot of the trailer, just the, the, the general in the army mm-hmm. of you know her her army were you know could have been um the supporting cast in uh in the Black Panther Dude, and I, I imagine yeah. they were kind of an inspiration for the the female warriors in that movie so something that kind of took more of a historical bent on a story like that which is thus far not been told mm-hmm. I was I was pretty hopeful for yeah it's worth noting we, we cover movies on this show sometimes that you know like like debut at Sundance in February and then we see them in like September but this movie actually came to the Toronto International Film Festival on September 9th and then got wide release on the 16th uh, which is right around when we started seeing trailers for the second Black Panther movie Wakanda Forever and I mm-hmm. think the marketing team behind this is very aware of the momentum that Black Panther carries and, and mm-hmm. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if it tried to capitalize on that, and I'm sure it has, because it's done pretty well in the box office. It also runs two hours and 15 minutes, uh, rightfully earning the title of an American epic. It's a long movie, um, and one that isn't afraid, I don't think, to draw out some of those character arcs and really try to build the world, which I think is what you have to do in a movie like this. Um, so yeah, okay, what do you think, John? Did you, did you, when did you see it? Did you see it by yourself? What was the situation? And, and yeah, what did you think of The Woman King? Yeah, I saw it by myself. Monday night because we originally were going to record Tuesday so got right. it out of the way got it done uh, on Monday and then had now 48 hours to kind of sit and marinate with it yeah had a good experience it was a, a fun movie to watch um, and overall initial thoughts were a lot of positive things mm. I really liked this movie I was super into it I was skeptical to see how they were going to do a lot of the like the the physical acting and the and the um, kind of hand to hand combat yeah. type stuff, yeah. Um, because I'm a big like UFC fan. I like I like combat sports in general, and there was a, a genuineness that needed to happen if I was going to believe some of these combat scenes between men and women or women and women. Yeah, uh, and I think that they nailed like 94% of the the combat stuff and like the judo style throws and like there was so much really good intense action in this but I loved it because it was so much more than that you had layers of nuance like uh, socioeconomic structure a political infrastructure uh, sexism slavery yeah I mean the, it was a laundry list of like hard-hitting issues that this movie kind of took on uh, and I think it did it really well. I liked a lot of the performances. Viola Davis was amazing in this. Her whole squad was yeah. just, yeah. I would watch seven more movies about them. Like, I was so into the, their culture. I mean, I think we're both suckers for a good training montage. Yeah, and man, I was boy, waiting for it in this one. I was too. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. I love it. I'm yeah. here for it. Um, so really, this movie surprised me in how much I really did like it. It was heartfelt when it needed to be. It was moving. It was 
kind of like everything I think they were going for. And quite frankly, I think they pulled it off in most capacities. Like, so for me, this movie is a resounding success. Two big thumb, two big thumbs way, way up. up. Sure. I loved it. Uh, me too, man. I, well, I didn't love it. I liked it a lot. My relationship with the old guard um, is, is one coincidentally, by the way, I just kind of rewatched the old guard and it's like pretty good. The action is kind of where it's at in that movie. And there's a cool twist that you don't, maybe know until you watch the movie, so I won't say it now, but the twist is kind of secondary to the action in the same way that John Wick's plotline is secondary to the action. It's really a f- movie that's focused on the hand-to-hand combat and, and the action stunts and all that. So that's kind of what I expected going in, and I'm with you. I think I think most of the time the action here works. There's a dynamic that's introduced um, where these this elite class of warrior women have to fight an elite class of warrior men, basically. It's, there's a lot of tribal fighting, and you do kind of have to buy into the idea that these women can beat these men who are, you know, ostensibly equally as trained and probably bigger. Um, and I think most of that really works. I think where this movie falters is that it does bite off a little bit more than it can chew, um, particularly with some of this colonialism stuff. There's a couple of side tangents that are sort of satisfying in some ways, but also let me down in others. Um, there's a scene that's ripped right from Pocahontas, the Disney animated <laughs> original. And that's the point yep. in the movie where I started questioning some stuff about the motivations of um, different thematic motifs. And uh, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, I don't think that's spoiling anything. But, you know, it, it sticks most of its landings. Not all of them. But, I, you know, Viola Davis crushes it. She's she's out acting everyone. She's, she's Boom, almost, so in almost every movie. Um, Viola Davis just just annihilates she's so good um yeah she's a force and she's asked to do a lot in this movie emotionally and physically obviously and, and you can tell she's she's put in work to get to the to the physical point she has gotten to to portray this character but i was really glad to see that there were some spots in the script where she was able to be humanized a little bit there's mm-hmm. there's uh a lot of interactions with well a bunch of the characters but particularly nawi who is played by Thuso Mbedu. I'm going to have a trouble with that for the rest of the time that I'm alive. Thuso Mbedu, I think it's M-B-E-D-U. And I'm hope I'm doing okay. But um, some of that stuff is really nice. And I also think Lashana Lynch as uh, uh, Izogi, like who is, how would you describe that character? Like a, like a assistant general, like a, like a, uh, like a drill she's sergeant. Like a lieutenant. Yeah. But she's also in the, in the weeds with them. Um, mm-hmm. All of that stuff is really, really great. I just, my only flaw that I can find here is that it, it does tackle quite a few issues and not all of them I think are uh, fleshed out quite enough to to have made the justification there. And I think that's completely, completely fair. I think yeah. when it succeeded, it succeeded miraculously. Yeah. Not miraculously, yeah, but, but like, tremendously. It was fantastic. And there were those, those scenes, particularly with the colonialism and the slavery stuff, yeah, stuff yeah. that they tried to tackle, which it's such a much bigger part of history than like was in this. You know what I mean? Yes. It felt made small. Um, so I agree with that, that, you know, that landing probably wasn't stuck, but I agree overall more landing stuck than faltered. Yeah, man. I really, speaking of, of the slavery stuff and the colonialism, I really dug that. Um, cause, cause we understand as viewers, these people are probably not speaking English, but we are here for their story. So we are going to hear it as an American audience in English. And mm-hmm. when the white people come in, they're speaking, I think Portuguese mm-hmm. and we get subtitles, but in other iterations of movies like this, we see 
you know, like the white people get English and then the black people get like savage tongues with like probably not even real, but we don't ever get a chance to sort of uh, connect with them because they're always like the savages and like, you know, the, the others. And I really love the approach of making white people kind of the invaders. It was a nice mm -hmm. spin that you don't often see, certainly in mainstream Hollywood movies. I thought that was a really like, sure, they don't stick all the landings, but the fact that that's the perspective this movie came in from, I thought was wonderful. Yeah, and I don't think that perspective ever really wavered. Mm -hmm. uh, I dug that. Yeah, there, there's a scene where one of the, uh, yeah, one of the white characters is talking to the king, and then he's speaking English, and I was like, oh no, did like they change it? And then apparently he also just knows their language, which I thought was another nice touch, especially given the uh, history of that particular character. Yeah, absolutely. The The one character that was one of the slavers, uh, they alluded to it in mm -hmm. his kind of brief backstory that he was kind of from there. Yeah, yeah. So it made sense that that language barrier shifted. Yeah, I'll also say that's kind of where a lot of my issues come from with, with this oversimplification of those really heavy motifs and themes they try to tackle um, mm -hmm. is mostly revolving around that character. Mm-hmm. Who's great. Like I think the actor does a really good job. I'm, I'm deliberately not saying who it is, but I, I think the actor does a good job. I just think the character ends up being an oversimplified archetype for a moral lesson that none of us really need to be told. Like we're all on board with it. So like I get it. But you yeah, know. yeah, exactly. That arc is really the only one that's super handholdy. Yeah. Um, Okay, we got any final thoughts? We're going to be running short on time for our radio listeners, or do you want to do you want to just rate it? What no, are you let, thinking? let's get to a rating, and then we'll we'll get to all the juicy good stuff in the the danger zone. Okay, I love it. Um, for me, dude, the Woman King, I think is a solid like, it's a solid seven. It's a really really fun action movie that tackles some really heavy stuff in a way that lets you know that the people who made it care about it, and that earns major points for me. So I'm willing to overlook it. It's certain shortcomings in some places so yeah it's a seven for me oh dude it's a nine two for me oh man no i really really wow, like this really movie high. all right yeah no like one of probably it's the best action movie i think this year so far i would say it's at least top three what all right i i'm not really good at calling to mind every action movie that's come out this year but well maybe i don't know um uh, but fair enough that's no, we're gonna I have some it, stuff man. to unpack uh, okay <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Uh, it's going to be in my top movies of the year for All sure. All right. Well, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. The Woman King is currently in a theater near you. If you've seen it, you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us again on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or just send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. To our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 530 on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for The Woman King, a review of that second beer, and hot and bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be up for grabs tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. It's the part of the now exclusively the podcast where we spoil our movie of the week. That, of course, is The Woman King. So this is your final warning. If you haven't seen this two-hour and 15-minute movie, um, which we both think you should, uh, you're, we're going to spoil some stuff. Okay? Here we go. Um, Johnny, favorite part of this movie? Favorite sequence or, or favorite scene or, or favorite character? Just your favorite aspect of this movie in general. Um, I really liked uh, Nawi's journey from 
being sold almost into an arranged marriage mm-hmm. with a guy that immediately starts their relationship by beating her. How long uh, did it take you to be surprised and then get over it when he slapped her? Oh, I wasn't surprised. It was just immediately like, man, fuck this whole yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, so her whole journey, I mean, obviously, I think she's her and Viola Davis are the two main characters in this movie. There's no question about it. Um, but her evolution uh, from rebellious and like untamed and ferociously out of control to disciplined and team oriented and kind of, you know, the by proxy family oriented and the evolution into that role and her ascent to like being top of her class was like so badass because it was just all of this misdirected energy and it got channeled into this this really kind of like much healthier and like self-affirming like yeah. we got to see Nawi become empowered as a young woman and like there's not enough movies that capture that in a way that's not super pandery and like just kind of pathetic yeah. you know like pathetic on the part of the movie makers to be like oh she's you know she can go to law school you know it's all just so oversimplified and i felt like uh, a lot of most of the female characters that were given time to explore their character arcs really were given depth and they gave us things that we could empathize with and really well-developed characters that, man, they and I was endeared to them so fast. So I think Nawi and most of her journey up until, I mean, her whole journey, really, that was my favorite part. Um, It was really good. I have to do something that I don't usually do. Actually, I don't think I've ever done this, but I, I have to change my rating. And... I feel like you're going with it so far because you think it's going to go higher, but I'm actually going to go lower to a wow. six. Yeah. I I was thinking about it when you were talking about some of that and I was reminded of some of like Nawi for sure, but, but some other characters too. Um, well, I guess, since we're spoiling like her relationship to Viola Davis's character and, and that being her mom and the way that's kind of, I felt thrown in there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just, again, it, it comes back to this biting off more than it can chew thing. So I'm officially changing my rating from a seven to a six, and I feel really good about that. I was feeling really? not great about the seven. Six feels so how, really good. Okay. How do you? In what way was that mother daughter dynamic biting off more than it could chew? Because I think it got fleshed out pretty well in the limited spectrum of emotions that Viola Davis's character was kind of allowing herself to have. Yes. I thought that there was a really good beginning, middle and end catharsis to that story. So where did that fall short? for No, you? agreed. If like, so Viola Davis handles it super well. I think for her character, awesome. Like there's that scene in the, I want to, I want to call it like a hot tub, like a hot spring or whatever their little bath is. Yeah. Their, their bath. Yeah. That scene where she gets to, to open up to Nawi and like they cut out the shark tooth or whatever is so a well acted by Davis, b totally cathartic for the character. I just think in the grand scheme of the movie, like so, then it's insinuated that not insinuated. It's that's so her dad is the uh, is the leader of the uh, the Oye tribe or whatever. I can't think of their name. Yeah, um, Oba Ade. Thanks, sure. And it's just one other aspect that I felt like didn't get fully resolved. Like there should have been some final catharsis there. And granted, like Viola Davis gets to kill that guy, but having Nawi be a part of that didn't didn't further the plot with that guy at all it just it was another thing that i don't i don't know like they she handled it well but it wasn't it wasn't beneficial to the forward momentum of the plot as a whole i don't think 
Well, I think it was because Viola Davis's character got her revenge and then Nawi was left with the guilt, which she addressed in some of the last scenes of not being a, a thing for good in Viola Davis's life in that she's just a reminder of the pain. So like she's dealing with the way that she, like Nawi fits in to everything here and how her relationship with her mother is going to progress. And I think, you know, the storyline doesn't have to progress with the rapist anymore because he's dead and he got what he deserved. So, like, Viola Davis got her closure, and then it's all about Nawi processing how her existence affects this woman that she admires. So, like, you know you admire this person, but then you find out that you're a reminder to them every day that they were brutally assaulted and impregnated. But was that the impression you got from their relationship? Like we we had the moment of realization where Viola Davis notices like this is this is my my baby that I had gotten rid of. Like we didn't spend a lot of time developing the potential resentment or trauma or whatever that would come along with stories that that deal with that kind of day-to-day reminder. Like it's something that that now he brings up, but it's never like it's thrown in there like it's not really anything that affects those characters until it's spoken in dialogue. Yeah, because Viola Davis killed her tears, man. She talked about it. She's a soldier. <laughs> yeah, she's got well, sure. to be badass. For Yeah, for somebody killing her tears, she cries a bit in this movie, by the way. Which is yeah, fine. a little yeah. bit. Um, I, maybe it's a difference in, in just how it landed for each of us. but And it wasn't just that for me. It was, it, was, it was just a lot of stuff. Like, Can we talk about the Malik character now? Yeah. Malik is great. I think the moment you see that character, you realize he's, he's a mixed-race guy. And like the ethical conundrum is like, all right, this dude's like trading slaves or he's like coming with his buddy who, who trades slaves to see his homeland. Yeah. Would you just time. get a ride on your buddy's boat? Like his slave boat fucked. He's like, ah, the slave ships are the only ones that come into here. So you had to deal with it. And Malik's kind of like, well, I don't like it, but I guess whatever. He deals with I mean, a lot of shit for a long time. Yeah. And then he meets, uh, Nawi in a very Pocahontas way. Like mm-hmm. beat for beat almost. Yeah. And then that like like does that change his mind or was his mind already made up? Like I don't have a good read on this character. He's just he's just a hot dude that we need for reasons. And I'm not even totally mm-hmm. clear on what those reasons are because he doesn't really have a lasting impact on this story at all. Yeah. I like, mean his back his back well, his background was that his mom was from there and he who came cares? back to like find himself like okay Fuck him. So, this isn't his story he needs to get out well of that's here. just it like that's why this storyline doesn't really land for me either like right. we you know movies like this with all these powerful women do i give a fuck about this guy's road to redemption while he's rolling around with his buddy that's a slave trader and like right. he needs to come to africa to pick up slaves to realize that's fucked up are you like you're right so it's just like again like it was fun for her like i thought for a minute it was going to be the idea that she would now have a a, a, a romantic temptation. That's another thread that they kind of touch on that doesn't really do anything. Like she's flirting with the male soldiers, like whatever the the male counterpart to the Agoji are. She's flirting with them doing musket training. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't go anywhere either, except for Malik when she's like, I guess I do like guys, like maybe, but it doesn't really matter because she ends up leaving him and, and there's no real consequence there. He's just a hot dude that comes in. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, he had like two steps of moral progression. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, again, we, it's a lesson just, that we know. Like, we don't have to go through that as an audience, and he doesn't really go through anything as a character because he doesn't start from the perspective of like, sl- you know, even slave trading's necessary. He's just more like, 
I don't think it's good, but I'm not very vocal, so I'll just kind of hang around until I have to do these story plot points. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. He, it was like one of the, it was the one like throwaway plot line for me that like I could have done completely without. Because it was bad enough that the king uh, in this situation, King Gezo, was like involved in the slave trade. They could have just had it as that. Like, we are enslaving yes. other Africans yeah. and that's fucked up. We need to not do that so we can be stronger as a people. Like, that's the through line here that should have been the main focus, not hot guy that's on the fence about slavery. Yeah, like, I don't understand why we are concerned with his reckoning with the ethics of slavery. Yeah, we didn't get enough of like enough of him or his background or no. his motivations. He was not a fully fleshed out character. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then so that ties into her her whole uh, Nawi's whole motivations with men and flirtation, and it just a lot of that stuff didn't land, and it felt unnecessary to me. Um, that's fair. That said, dude, what was your favorite action scene? Like your favorite? There's like, we there like three pretty notable, maybe four notable fight scenes. Yeah, and then some really cool like scenes in like in the final test that was pretty cool too. I didn't understand the final test. Why why are they why are they running through thorns? You gotta run the obstacle course. You gotta feel some pain. That obstacle course sucks. Yeah, because battle is pain, man. You gotta be tough enough to get through that. That's how they know you're gonna be able to have everyone's back on the battlefield. I also thought it was bullshit that Nawi had to fight all those dudes at the end of that course and like the the competitor behind her who was like climbing down the wall just kinda Kind of skated through. Yeah. Well, it's because they were all distracted. I think that was maybe part of the test to make them all realize that they need each other. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe there doesn't need to be one clear winner because they should have all gotten together. Because, like, what they preached, like, the whole time was, like, they act as a unit. It's all about yes. teamwork. And that was fully displayed. Probably my favorite battle scene mm -hmm. was the second one or the last one. I think it was the last one when uh, Nawi took out like four dudes by herself. That was so sick. Are you thinking of the one where they built the bombs, or the um, one uh, that was the second one? Second. I'm talking last. about the last one when they went in to try and save uh, when when oh, I got Naniska I got came back and went into the village to try and to save Nawi. Yes. Yeah, and they were just burning the whole place down. That was yeah. so sick. Yeah, there's that scene, and again, like it was cool. I'm not sure. Maybe I can think about it for two seconds and figure it out, but. There's the sequence where um, Violet has just killed the big bad guy, and then uh, now he's kind of protecting her. Is that the four guys you mean? Mm hmm Yeah. Great, great scene. Great choreography. Yeah. Great choreography and some amazing, you know, every time they were fighting together, they all worked as such a unit. And yes. like probably favorite moment of the whole movie is when Izogi uh, claws that dude's eyes out, eyes out oh. just with her sharp fingernails. Just, yeah, that, so sick. that was a good, yeah, it was like a really low shot, and then she kind of just like jabs down, and her fingernails come up bloody. Yeah, that was, that was pretty rad. early on, too. Yeah, I think that was the first uh, big battle yeah. scene. Yeah, it was yeah. right when they raided that. They were looking for, like, prisoners, the Agoji were, and then the dude's like, mm -hmm. we're just farmers, and then here comes the curtain down. It's like, no, there's a bunch of bunch of captured people there. Mm -hmm. uh, can we get the swords? Can we get replicas of those swords, by the way? Uh, please. They're so I want one. cool. <laughs> They're so sick. Uh, yeah, they, they feel like part club, part machete. If you haven't seen it, you gotta look them up. They're very cool. Like a like like not one pointy tip, but like four spikes on the end, and it's got like a back curve on the blade. It's like a single edged kind of blunt force, but super sharp weapon. Yeah, Great. very like scimitar meets like Gurkha meets yeah, machete. Sure. It's yeah. so they're so sick. I yeah. want one. 
So 100% yes. We can yes. allocate yes. some podcast funding to get a couple of those for the studio. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. For as little as $1 <laughs> an episode, you can help us buy swords <laughs> from movies. And we'll open up beers at our next share with those swords. Hell yeah. And, and increase our liability insurance. Absolutely. Our non-existent liability insurance. Let's do this. Okay. It is time for beer number two, unless you have anything else on the Woman King, do you? I just loved how badass everyone was. It was so fun to see empowered, badass women without superpowers uh, fighting with swords. Like I love this style of movie anyway, so I was predisposed to fall in love with this, but the... Viola Davis just knocked this out of the park. Like you said, acted her tail off yeah. like way more than everyone else. It's stupid. Um, she made this movie a million times better than I was expecting, and I loved it. They were all just so awesome. Fair. All right, let's grab beer number two, guys. That's, that's The Woman King, so if you've seen it, please do let us know. Um, and we're going to grab beer number two, so don't you go anywhere. All right, dude, we got beer number two in front of us. Um, it's as we've just poured it off air, uh, this is your kind of beer. And I'm basing that just on how it looks and how it smells. But this seems uh, much more like a traditional West Coast double IPA. Um, So remind people uh, who forgot since the beginning what this beer is called. It's called Trouble. We haven't said it yet. We didn't say it at the beginning. (laughs) You're you're gaslighting people, Max. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, sure. It's called Trouble. Yeah, Trouble. It's an IPA Imperial of the slash double variety. That's what it says on there. Uh, on the can, it says West Coast style Imperial India Pale Ale. So I'm going to say it's just a big old single IPA. You want to know what kind of hops are in this? 8.2%. Will you tell me, please? Yeah, there's two. There is Mosaic, of course, and the Colonialism Era Columbus Hop is man. also in this beer, which is pretty great. <laughs> yes, man. I also don't know what the F a Columbus Hop is, so I'm going to look that up real quick. Do it. I'll tell you how delicious this beer is. Are you, well, you're really starting off. Have you tasted it, or are you just preemptively thinking it'll be? No, I drank delicious? a bunch. Okay. So how del- how delicious is it, man? Talk about a clean double IPA or imperial IPA. It's hard to call an eight point two percent beer not a double IPA. That's fucking throwing me off for sure. No, it, yeah. Why? No, they are calling it that. It, they say that on Untapped, but it doesn't say it on the can. It just says no, imperial uh, IPA. That's no. It's they're interchangeable. Okay. In, imperial double, that's basically what we've decided over the years. Well, as far as I can tell, that's what the literature supports, is that imperial and double are the same thing. Generally, that means 8% to about 9.5. But that's enough. flexible. Okay. So, anyways, this is a really good imperial double, whatever the hell you want to call it. Really solid West Coast-style IPA. Uh, very not nuanced. This is a really straightforward beer. It is hoppy. It is bright. It's clean. It's bitter. It's a West Coast IPA through and through. I love it. Mm-hmm. Really quick on the Columbus hop. Um, it's actually kind of ambiguous. I'm here on hopslist.com. And they say the exact lineage of the proprietary hop Columbus is unknown. Uh, its namesake was created in part as the result of a legal dispute between a hop union and the Yakma chief. Um, originally it was called, and you might not believe it, it was called Tomahawk. No. And then they changed it to Columbus, which I feel like is apropos for the history of, uh, natives, you know, yeah. just take things and rename take it. Tomahawk, call it Columbus. Why not? <sighs> uh, man, I so, like the spirit less now. Fuck. I know. <laughs> uh, 
Um, a, a pretty traditionally uh, bitter, bitter hop uh, used in the bittering and aroma, somewhere between 14 and 18% when it comes to alpha acids. So yeah, pretty bitter straight up. That said, I haven't tried mine yet. I've just smelled it and it smells um, kind of malty, but are you getting that at all? Not so much. Definitely way more hop forward. There's a bit of malt in the backbone because all beers have a little malt in them, but it's not malt forward in the big, like, you know, traditional, no, it's not old school, uh, bells, two hearted way that you're thinking of. Yeah. Was that ringing um, any bells? Oh, that's, it's tangy. There's a tang there that is not bad, but for me is not super enjoyable. Yeah. It's zippy. It's got a, it's very a real zippiness to it. Yeah. Um, I don't like the can as much either, though it is still kind of fun. Uh, reminds me of a Ray LaMontagne thing for some reason. Obviously, he has a song called Trouble, but something about this even reminds me of that. Yeah, uh, I think maybe the font. Maybe. No, you're uh, right. But anyways, it's it's um, it's um, there's a dude uh, that almost looks like a, uh, it's it's his, the top half of his head kind of nose up, looks almost like an old Roman statue with a tiny little devil, think shoulder devil style sitting on top of his head, mm-hmm. almost teabagging him. Oh yeah. Way. The single for trouble or the album cover for trouble is, uh, it's got a devil on it. Okay. It does. Right. Like Dancing with a blindfolded it. lady. Okay. I knew that. I thought the, I thought it was like the demon or the devil guy that kind of gave it away. Yeah. No, that was dead on. Good remembrance. I love, nice, I love you. that album. Uh, me too. Um, so the, the rest of the can has got some pink clouds on a black background. And then on the other side, some, uh, cream clouds with a green background and it's split down the middle by a lightning bolt that if you want to draw the conclusion that it's coming out of the devil's butt you probably could though I don't think that's really what it's trying to do no but it does but I mean if you if you look at it that way you know if you're thinking butt you're gonna find a butt yep okay Um, I like this beer okay I've only had one drink I'm gonna go for a second drink it's not something I love definitely well I think the one thing that's really becoming sterling clear is uh, Grimm makes really good, but not outstanding, but like super solidly above average beers. Like both of these were completely serviceable. I would drink them again. I would not brag about drinking them, but they they are good. That's the marketing promo soundbite I'm sending to them for the show. Hey, we just reviewed your beers. Here's what we had to think. Yeah. <laughs> they make solidly average, not super excited about drinking them beers. Yeah. Like I, I, the, I would, these are so adequate. Like, but also this one's spot on. Like when I think West coast double IPA, this is the beer I think of. So I think it's going to rate pretty high because of that. Like there's not a lot of flaws with this beer, except that tanginess, that weird zippy. Um, I'm not sure what that's coming from. Maybe it's the, the stolen land hop. Um, but it's just not sitting a hundred percent. Right. Otherwise this beer might, might get a real high rating, but that definitely takes it down a notch. Our first beer was five weeks old. This one's about three months. There's a difference there. That might be some of that tang. I feel like it would be a little bit more hop bitter and less zingy um, Mm -hmm. were it slightly fresher. It's not old, but it's kind of right at the end of what we'd ideally like to be drinking. Yeah, not old, but not brand new. The first beer was also $7. Do you, I don't see a tag on mine. Do you know how much this one was? I think they were the same price. Yeah, okay. Um, Well, you know, it's a pretty moderately priced pint can, so... I'm okay with it. Yeah, especially uh, for 8%. 8.2, baby. Yeah, out of the two of these, I think I would drink this one again. Oh, this one, really? Mm-hmm. See, I, yeah, it's skewed towards the first, probably not surprising to longtime listeners, but um, both like pretty solid beers. I think, yeah, I think objectively you and I would both agree the 
both of these aren't well i don't know i was gonna say they're not gonna get above an eight but i'm not sure about that for you i feel like you're gonna be like 7.9 but i could be wrong no you know um, me too well it's it's in that ballpark it's definitely yeah. not in the eights because the eights i'm gonna travel yeah. for i'm gonna make a road trip it's this isn't that you're this beer no. isn't that guy bud uh okay well do you have other thoughts or you just kind of want to get to it Mm, there's really not much else to say. I mean, it's a very straightforward beer. Not a lot of complexity here. Um, it's as it's this feels like a seven four all day. Mm. Um, I just had my final sip there. Um, yeah, man. For me, I think it's a I think it's a five. You know, it's okay. Um, I'm fine without having it again. But if if it showed up, I'd drink it. Probably not a whole pint, but it's it's good enough if you ask me. That's fair, man. I also don't, don't know what happened, but I started saying, if you ask me on the podcast, I noticed it in an edit a couple weeks ago. I started <laughs> saying, if you ask me. Um, Are you watching some like, like 19s, 20s television or something there, guy? No, but it's like a way of inserting my opinion without it being wanted, but then like making you think that you wanted my opinion, which in this case you actually do. I think it's so like, yeah, you have to qualify an opinion on a podcast based <laughs> on our opinions. with one person. <laughs> that people purposely listen to for our opinions. But if you yeah, ask right. me. If you ask me, it. here it is. So uh, all right, well, that's that's, uh, that's so trouble. It's, it's from Grimm. Uh, it's a 7.4 for Johnny. It's a 5 for me. And with that, we're getting into Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, portion it's of the show where we talk about what's got us hot and or bothered for the week. It's going to be Boom. a short one. Sure. Um, really quick, mine is about my viewing experience of The Woman King. I'm here in Reno, and I went to the luxury... It's one of those luxury theaters that has an IMAX and they sell like almost full food service, but you know, not, not really. It's not full food, but it's not, it's more than concessions. Like they do giant pretzels and pizzas and like hot dogs, not like burgers and steaks and stuff, which is okay. That's the only thing different from normal concessions. There is pizza. Do they have hot dogs? Yeah. They have hot dogs at the movie theater in Chico. That's quite good. Okay. Then, then let me further qualify this by saying they also, they have beer and wine. They also have some cocktails. Oh, okay. Um, so like it's like slightly more than that. Yeah, than like, like light pub beer. fair type situation. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I saw the Woman King yesterday uh, at it was going to be an eleven fifty five showing. So I walked in ten minutes before uh, to get my good reserved seat. Um, but there were like people doing construction in there. Oh, and there was a woman kind of at the door, not the first door, like the second, not even a door, like the into the theater you know you walk down the hallway and there's the seats she's uh-huh. there at the end of that walkway what and she goes can i help you and i was like yeah that'd be great i'm here to you know i'm seeing a movie can i, I here's my phone <laughs> can i sit and she goes we're actually in the middle of some renovations and they'll be done in a couple minutes um so do you mind waiting outside and i was like can i take a peek and she said she said quote preferably not <laughs> unquote and i was all right so i walked back out and then you know, I was waiting for her to come out, and then like a manager walked by with a name tag and stuff, and I was like, "Hey, there, I'm, you know, going to see this movie in Theater Five, and she's like, "Theater Five? I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Theater Five's supposed to be closed. There was an incident." I said, what? What's the incident? And she said, "Somebody slashed the seats." Oh my god! And that's that's why they that's why we don't sell cans. And I was like, "You think it was a can? I feel like it was probably a knife." She's like, "I don't like to assume the worst." I was like, "It's fine. Like, but I'm seeing this movie." I have to, <laughs> right? Podcast. Um, and she's like, okay, they're gonna be done soon. Just hang out here. So then I went back and talked to the old man who take. He's been there for years. His name's Ken, and he's shout the one out that to Ken. Your, shout out to Ken. Just a real one. He's the one that scans your tickets. Like, enjoy your 
screening experience in a theater. Um, and I, you know, was like, Hey, we're waiting for, I'm going to be right back. So that's what's going on. Then I went back to the concession stand. Cause at this point I only had popcorn. Then I was talking to my girl, Angel. And I was like, Hey, did you hear about the incident in theater five? And she was like, what incident? And I explained it to her. Meanwhile, I'm trying to sweet talk my way into a refill of my popcorn. Cause I got a medium. And I was like, Angel, Hey, I know it's not like a lot, but can I get, can I get a refill? And she's like, no. I was like, well, can I get some more butter? And she's like, yeah. So I still <laughs> felt like I won. Anyways, went back to the theater. They finally let us in. Uh, it was like me and like one other person and we were the only ones because <laughs> we booked our tickets online and like they weren't selling tickets to this in person because they oh, were wow. doing renovations. They stopped the renovations, sent the kids home. After I left the concession stand with my truly and my extra butter popcorn, Ken stops me and is like, are you going back to the theater? I was like, yeah, it was my plan. He's like, all right, when you get halfway, I'm going to tell them to start it because they're just waiting for you. You're the only ones. Oh my God. I was like, oh, great. So then halfway down the hallway, he goes, start the film. And then I walked in. Dude, yes. No previews, nothing. It just starts. The movie just starts. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. And it's freezing cold because it's a 150 person theater. Yeah. With two people. Uh, and just watched the movie. That's At amazing. one point, like two hours in, the house lights came on. What? And I, middle of the movie, not middle, but towards the end, like the last act, like when it's getting juicy. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not. So I walk out and I talk to Ken. I said, Ken, hey, Hope you're having a great day, by the way. Um, the house lights came on. I just want to let you know. And he literally, he's got to be like 80 years old. He takes a fist and slams it on his podium. He goes, what? And he gets on his earpiece and he goes, I don't I can't remember her name, but he goes, somebody like Julie, the house lights came on in theater five. Can you please get those off? And he said, I'm so sorry for that inconvenience. I was like, it's fine, dude. <laughs> Jesus. That's Don't the guy that's going to walk into a theater and kick somebody out for talking he's, for you. Yeah, he super is, man. He stopped me years ago for trying to bring in my water bottle filled with water. He's like, you can't bring that. I said, if I dump it out, can I refill it? He's like, that's fine. But he like he he looks for bulges in pockets. He's he's a narc. I like this guy. He's fucking He's great. like the Mike Ehrman Trout of the movie theater. Yeah. So that was my, that was my theater experience this week. It was um, different. I fucking love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what about you, man? I haven't done much, man. I fully unplugged. Thank un God, because I used all of our time. You did. That's fine. It's I'm usually so my job. This usually becomes Johnny's podcast uh, at this time, but I'm stoked because that was actually that was a great story. A good story. I almost yeah, a good story. snuck an actually in there, like I was surprised, but I'm not. It's Thank a great story. Um, I didn't do shit, man. It was a rainy, cold weekend in Chico, so I made a pot roast, ate it on my couch in a hoodie with all the windows down, and watched football, and it was. No shit, the happiest I've been in maybe a year. You catch that Patriots Steelers game? I did. That yes, was Sunday. Sorry, it took me yeah. out. I thought That's you right. said the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers game, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the Patriots Steelers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. I watched. We get NFL red zones, so we watch like the most exciting parts of all the games. Oh, that's right. Um, at the same time, right? Like, yeah, all over on four it's different screens. Eight. It's America. Oh, it's eight. Sometimes they do an octo box. It's fun. Um, but yeah, that was it, man. It's been a good weekend. I really enjoyed seeing this movie, enjoyed making a pot roast, made beef stew out of the leftovers. Other than that, man, I'm chill. Not much to report on my front. All right. Well, I had a pretty chill week as well. I enjoyed making this podcast and I think that's going to be it for us. As always, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. Thanks to everybody on Patreon. Big shout out to the handlebar of a sick ass happy hour, seven days a week. Uh, check out the ad at the top of the show if you forgot. My name is Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Summers. Thanks for joining us. Drink some good beers. Try these ones from Grimm at SNS. Uh, watch something cool. Let us know what it is. 
Uh, most important thing, as always, guys, be good to each other. That's all we got. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. So we'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.